Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Please delete as appropriate. Hello there. This is the Material Podcast, episode 182 thereof, and I am Andy Anatko. The Transcontinental Material Podcast, and I'm Florence Ion. Tra- hell, it's transatlantic. You are, you True. are, I mean, we, we're we still in two countries that end in the letter A, but now yours starts with a consonant, and that's kind of freaking me out. So you're in Romania. I am in Romania, and I'm extremely tired. It is 10 a, 10 p.m. my time, and then it is early afternoon, or I guess mid-afternoon now, Andy's time. So a slightly different energy than what we were going for before I left, but it's okay. Yep. Experiments happen. Again, you're, you're, you're successfully in Romania, and you're successfully podcasting. And hey, what a wonderful testament to the Chromebook that really all you needed to not only do like live Skype, but also record while you're doing it was the Chromebook or the Pixelbook rather, huh? Well, I'm recording with the Pixelbook, but I am coming to you from webcam with my phone on a selfie stick tripod. So, (laughs) which to, to be fair, it's the Pixel 3, so we're probably getting a better video with this device than we would with the little camera on the Pixelbook. And this was the only way that we could do it because my Pixelbook did not allow me to use the microphone for both Skype and the recording app that I'm using. Which, by the way, for you Android fans out there, is the HiQ MP3 recorder. It is what I've basically trusted the last seven years of my job with. (laughs) So, hasn't let me down yet. (laughs) Prayer hand emoji. (laughs) So we're praying for similar results. Nonetheless, the key to this operation was that you happen to have a second independent supercomputer in your bag, in your travel kit. This, this, this yes. is every problem that I've ever had with the iPad. It's incredibly lovely, and I can. it's great to board that uh, Amtrak train to New York City, not even with a laptop bag, but with like this tiny little Indiana Jones-like satchel until, oh, that's right, I have to record a podcast. And suddenly you're building... <laughs> you're building Lego bridges that you're not going to be able to cross. Well, just to up the stakes here a little bit, uh, I've got 49% of my battery. So we'll see how much this lasts <laughs> on the Pixel 3. Oh, okay. Uh, real world testing of Google's products, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very real testing. To see, this this is why um, we got, it's, we, we got more evidence this week that, uh, that not only is, of course, Microsoft Windows on Chromebooks going to be a thing, but that it might be imminent. Because this is ex- uh, just to get into details, this is uh, according to a report from aboutchromebooks.com, which, as usual, uh, looked at the most recent commits to uh, public uh, Chrome OS, and as usual, saw lots and lots of comments about uh, about dual booting. Uh, here is. Uh, here is a uh, notes comments inside uh, has quote checked warm reboot from Chrome to Windows. Another one quote checked warm reboot from Windows to Windows, which again would seem to indicate that not only are they so this is they're testing on the Pixelbook. There's only one mention of uh, 
of what they're testing on. So clearly they're using Pixelbooks for testing purposes. They're also mentioning how are they going to handle uh, file system partitioning between Windows file system and what Chrome OS uses. And also how are they going to deal with the trusted platform module inside Chromebooks? That's like the stuff that makes sure that, hey, no one, ha no one has enforced like a side upgrade that installs m malware. So how are you going to deal with Windows, but also have like trusted uh, sort of code? So that's nice. That'd be really wonderful. But because yeah, that's exactly the sort of stuff that would make the, the Pixelbook for me absolutely adequate not because i want to be able to run it as a windows machine but for a situation like this i'm in the hotel room i will i will reboot as a windows machine use skype for that one thing where i need to be able to record and do video or that one thing where i really do need the real photoshop and then go back to the life of a chromebook in, in another reboot I think I would be fine without Windows, honestly, if there were just a couple more things added to Chrome OS. Mm -hmm. That's kind of, I just, I think about the things that I need and I'm like, you know, dual booting sounds like a lot now. <laughs> to be fair, I'm extremely jet lagged, so everything sounds tiring to me right now. But it does sound <laughs> extremely tiring to me, like just to have all that running. But then again, it is a testament to the fact that the chips and the components that are inside the Pixelbook are just as uh, worthy and able as the components inside the Windows PCs that you buy at Best Buy. So that is a good thing for us Chromebook users because that means there's a lot of more power using in our future. And I think it also makes me feel like, I don't know that I want to use other operating systems because I like this one so much. You know, I'd, I'd like to be able to use yeah. two microphones at the same time. I just... Well, I <laughs> I just like the idea of like spending a thousand dollars on a laptop and getting so many different sort of yeah. kinds of uses out of it. And like now it's it seems like if you're if you're not getting at least a two hundred and fifty disc dollar discount on the on the Google Pixel book, you really, really are keen to spend as much money as possible because once again this, there's another discount in play it's easy to find it for 750 bucks up um there's some scuttlebutt that there there's that google and other people are very well motivated to get these things out because a pixelbook 2 is kind of imminent ish and after seeing this thing from uh, aboutchromebooks.com, I'm like, uh, Google might be close to actually formally announcing Windows 10 support, at which time a lot of people are going, are going to be looking at these $750 uh, <laughs> Intel core-based CPUs with 128 gigs of storage, thinking even as a Windows machine, this would be pretty nice, and as a Chromebook, and it might be harder to find these things. So I'm not, I'm not saying do something rash, uh, particularly in these holiday times when you're probably making rash decisions anyway, such as saying, what if we ha invite both of our sets of parents over for Christmas? Uh, <sighs> but, but, but I'm saying if, if you're already there, if you're like, you know, I'm pretty sure that after the holidays, I'll buy, I'll pick up a, a pixel book. Eh, just make that, make that one extra little pebble on the scale that tilts you towards. Maybe I'll won't wait until March to get it. Uh, just on the, the, this just came to my mind because I was just thinking about discounts. Did you know that Google One subscribers get $125 off of Pixel 3? 
I've been inundated with that because when you go, because okay. now, now when you go to uh, a as a, a, I am a subscriber, so I do have access to it. But also, they're doing this thing where you get like a referral thing, uh, or and you you get these codes you can share. And so if you go to uh, like the Google or the Pixel uh, subreddits, you will see like uh, like a dozen different posts saying, "Hey, here are my codes: four hundred fifty bucks off." Uh, a phone and it's like oh please don't make it easier for me to buy a phone everyone's trying well, to make me it's not it's still it's still in the 700 True. right eight six hundred seven hundred dollar range yes. i mean um i, 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 I we were talking about chromebooks I, but i, I just... think I, I know but yeah I, i'm i'm still committed to i think just sticking with my pixel one it goes it gets uh not end of what does google call it when they say that they have they're not promising any more support after three years i don't even know if there's a term for it but it's going to happen for the pixel one in 2019 abandoned I, well it's <laughs> more like more like uh, strung along it's it's on the strung along list maybe uh, but it's like that seems like a good if if as is the truth right now that I don't have any complaints about the performance of my Pixel One, and with the new night sight feature, I really like the improvements to the camera that I got mm -hmm. for free. And at 128 gigs, that is my sweet spot for storage. I'm not running out of storage. It seems like and also excuse me, I will also have to say as one of these self interested moralist tech writers who've said you know too many people just automatically feel as though they have to upgrade their phone every year and what you should be doing is you should ask yourself what possibilities or problems will a will will, will be so what possibilities with the will this new pixel phone create for me or what problems is it going to and i'm like oh damn i have said that like every three days so i should probably hold on to this pixel one until 2019 stupid andy making <laughs> writing checks that i now have to cash uh i just want to quickly subtext and and again put us off topic as I have done in the last uh, three minutes. Uh, my husband is boarding his plane over here right now in Germany. And he's just, I'm sorry. He just sent me an I am that there's a little Romanian kid playing a harmonica in the airport. Okay. All right. In Germany. So I just want, yeah, at the airport, I'm getting onto the plane to come to Romania. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't that, know, man. That, that, that does sound like a song lyric. I don't know who the composer would be. There's a little Romanian kid <laughs> playing harmonica in a German yeah. airport. <laughs> I don't. Oh, I, again, my goodness. I don't know if it, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be like soft rock. One of those tracks that doesn't make it for like independent release. But uh, it's uh, never going to dance again by George Michael, because everybody knows it's the whiniest <laughs> song that you can play on any instrument. Uh, rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Even the, the time of year when we have to say, God love them. That was a horrible Christmas song. But God love them for writing it. And yes, God yes. love anybody who likes it. Yes. Uh, Andy, by the way, I have to tell you, um, just because I'm thinking of home now, I never bought that. I actually ended up not buying that Mi Box S. Okay. Not yet. I'm waiting because I figured, like, what is, yeah, what is the point of me bringing it home? I'm not going to bring me home to use it yet. So I figure I'm hoping that that Walmart deal stays through the new year. And I'm hoping that's just how much this thing costs. 
Maybe. Just crossing my fingers. It's still 40 bucks. Now that I've had it for more than two hours, it is, it is uh, I've now have several, <laughs> several hours worth of experience. It is my, my living room, excuse me, my bedroom TV. And I still really, really like it. The The only quirk that is, that has surfaced is that twice in the past week, I'm watching TV and I get little like pop-up thing as though it's pairing with the remote for the first time again. But that happens like for like four seconds and then it beeps. Like, yep, found your remote. It's great. I don't know whether it lost the connection and then found the most obnoxious way to like reconnect or whether it literally forgot what device I had connected and had to repair it. Um, on the plus side, that it, it, it's not an infrared remote; it is like Bluetooth, so you don't have to aim the you don't have to aim the oh, darn thing. Okay. But other than that, and that's not and it's not even like a huge horrible annoyance. I just it's just something that maybe I'm hoping that they'll fix in a future upgrade if this keeps happening. But otherwise, it's great to be able to cast directly <laughs> directly from bed. Uh, I love all the uh, uh, the use of the Play Store apps that I've been using on the all the Nv- Nvidia. I haven't found any stuttering startup problems, nothing. And now I can uh, now I've started like side loading video and stuff like through the uh, USB port. I like it. Uh, it's uh, I'm very very happy with it. If I had, if I'd paid sixty nine dollars, uh, what I think it's. I don't know. I think it's $70, $80 normally, but if I'd paid the $80 for it, I would have been pleased with it because you were essentially getting a, a, an Apple TV and it does more than the Apple TV, <laughs> at least at least for oh, me. Oh, shoot. Maybe I should buy it before the end of the year so that I get that $40 it's, deal. It's, it's okay. But let's... Uh... I'm a little spoiled. I'm a little spoiled because I've had the Chromecasts and they all are... Thirty-five dollars, yeah. and I just now I have a now that's my benchmark for how much I'm willing to pay. Yeah. So, but the whole phone thing is so inconvenient. I mean, honestly, as convenient as it as it is to cast everything from your phone, it's also incredibly inconvenient yeah. because it's like I have to have my phone with me all the time, which sometimes it's the last thing I want to have with me. I just want yeah. a break. And it may, and I don't know how like kids who grew up with watching videos on phones might feel about this. I of course grew mm. I I grew up in the era of the wireless remote. Okay, we did have infrared remotes. They weren't wired. They didn't like have those little like tones that the that it, that like my, at my aunt's house had. But again, it was infrared remotes. So which, so it means that I'm I'm a child of the generation where, especially on the bedroom TV, you get to like prop up pillows on the head on the on the headboard, sit up, sort of slump just just enough so you could see the screen. You've got the remote in your limp right hand, and it's the moment anything bores you, you don't look down to look for like a user interface icon on a multi-touch display you find the <laughs> teleport me to someplace more interesting button with your thumb you press it and you keep pressing it until you are back into entertainment land and so that's why i i i, I like the fact that if i misplace a remote i can just <laughs> make a f- call up a fake remote on my t- on my phone but otherwise yeah i want the clicky buttons i want something in my hand clicky buttons are great i'm a huge fan of clicky buttons yeah yeah. yeah, they're 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 they are the shizzle. Uh, <laughs> so, before before we go to Ed, I did want to uh, say uh, one thing that if uh, if you got the Pixel One or the Pixel Two, the the call screening feature that uh, that was introduced with the Pixel Three actually landed on my phone uh, like 
sometime last week. I discovered this when a call came in and I saw the new – in addition to the red reject call button and the green uh, accept call button, a blue button in the middle that says screen call, and it immediately triggered all my social anxieties because hmm. – it's like it's would seem to be exactly what I would want, like in the old fashioned days where you have an answering machine, but it has also has a speaker so you can hear the message that someone is leaving as they're leaving it. So you have the you have the option of leaping and answering the phone in the middle of the message and saying, oh, no, 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 sorry, I was just working. I didn't want to be interrupted unless it was a good, 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 close personal friend like you. Uh, but the great thing was. If it was someone who just, I normally have the emotional energy to talk to this person. Today, I've just got so much to deal with that I don't want to. I, I don't want to have a twenty-minute pre-conversation in, 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 in that goes ahead of the one question that this person could and should have asked me via email. There, we all have those people in our lives. We love them to death, but it's like if you wanted to know, like, do I? Do I want? Do I have any? Uh, uh, I'm still coming to dinner. Do I have any like meal? Any dietary pro problems? You could have asked that. I could have answered that. But it's going to be thirty minutes ahead and thirty minutes ahead. This only and the, and usually these the these the these are the people who say, "Oh no, this only takes seconds." Like, no, it won't take a second. It really won't. I know you think it will, and I know it'll feel False like a second to you. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's why I haven't used the call screening button because it seems like I'm saying, uh, you know, you touch the button and an automated voice will say, hello, this user is using uh, Google's call screening function. And what you say will be transmitted to translate into text that he will be reading. And so if he doesn't pick up the phone, it's because he has he, he has seen this call. He has actively touched a button to say that he wants to know what you want to say first. And if he at any point, if he decides that you're going to bore him to death or if it's, or if it's a topic, you know, he doesn't want to discuss, he will then touch a button that will dump you your right to voicemail so no pressure on you but he is watching you and judging you this is an active judging scenario caller and don't blame me i'm just the computer please be offended by andy's behavior andy is rejecting you personally he's here he was able to answer the phone it's not like all those times where like he the the, the phone was off the charger and so he didn't hear it ring or whatever no 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 no, no. he really is so if you say hi andy it's really important that you pick up because I mean, I just haven't talked to you in so long, or or uh, I I'm uh, I you know how you told me to get that to get that knocking sound on my engine like looked at, and you kept telling me that like for two months because you warned me to leave me stranded at the side of the road. Well, I'm stranded at the side of the road right now, and uh, I know you also like got me AAA because you're so sure my car was going to break down. But I don't want to call AAA. I wanted to call you, so you know. I, I'm, I'm sorry. You can tell the tension in my voice. I don't know how this fits into the social contract. Are you calling and if are you calling me with the is the contract that we're making that this telephone is a convenience to me and not to the outside world, and therefore I always have the free decision to accept a call or reject a call without prejudice, without sending a message about how I feel about a certain person that I don't need to explain to you why I don't want to talk to you at this moment, at this instant, or am I always basically sending this big fireball of 
bad feelings by saying, oh, you didn't pass the test. You didn't say something interesting or valuable enough to me. If I really liked, this is what I worry about. And so the times where I have, it's, I have, I've practically had my finger hovering over the call screening function, but not actually been able to tap it because I just couldn't risk sending a message to somebody that I had seen their into their souls and I'd found that soul wanting. I know this is mostly in my head, but it's still a source of stress. I almost feel like I should turn that feature off just to get rid of that tiny amount of anxiety when a call comes in. That's completely, Andy, that's completely valid and fair. <laughs> uh, because the, as you were talking, I realized that, you know, it is quite a thing to like call call somebody only to be met by a robot voice that is like, hello, are you good enough to pass uh, to see our queen? Like, that's basically what the robot is doing. Now, I wish that we could edit it, like customize it, so we could say something like, hey, Flo is probably freaking out over work right now and uh, just wants to know if this is a conversation that can happen quickly over the phone or if not, maybe it's better if you send her an email. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and or like with another, I, I wish there was different answerings. Like I could send, uh, I could have a statement for spam callers versus a statement for professional calls. I mean, obviously, this thing is going to be honed in, and this whole technology—the part that, the part that is supposed to be the the test—is the fact that there is a robot answering for you perfectly that was materialized from artificial intelligence which is wow that's like that's so cool uh but because it's not customizable it's just not quite at the point where it feels like a natural tech product to use does that make sense yeah it's a again it's it's an addition or a change to the social contract it took a long time for people to get the message uh that Again, one of the few things, few pieces of wisdom that my dad handed to me that can be boiled down to a specific quote that he used to say, which is usually when one of my four sisters would jump up from the dinner table to answer a ringing phone, he would say, sit down. That phone is there for our convenience, not for the convenience of the outside world. You know what? That's true. Yep. That that, that really didn't. That's that's right. It's like we didn't put in this thing to say that anytime anybody wants us to drop whatever we're doing and talk to them, that gives us the that gives them the ability to make us drop what we're doing and talk to them. So that but so that took a while to get over that thing. And yeah, and now I just wish you're right. If there was a way to have an outgoing message that was very very sweet and says that there are times when Andy is not verbal. <laughs> It's not, it has probably has nothing to do with you. you. It's literally just me. (laughs) Yes. But if, but if you do explain in text why, like why you wanted to speak, there's a really good message that whenever he does see this, whether it's in real time or five minutes later or an hour later, he will, he will give priority to giving you a phone call as soon as he is verbal once again. You know, as is my outgoing, like a voicemail message is, if it's a minute long, 50 seconds of it is why you should send me an email instead of sending uh-huh. me a voicemail. And then the last 10 seconds are, but if you really feel as though that's the only thing you can do, go ahead. But most of it is, here's my email address. 
Here it is again, a third time in case you were getting a pen the first time. And in case while I was saying get a pen, that kind of like interrupted you, I will say it a fourth time or a fifth time. Yeah, I just don't. <sighs> new pills. I need new pills. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's okay, Andy. I think you brought up a very valid point. And yes. <laughs> I I appreciate your perspective. Yeah. You know, I just I just realized that another see, another problem, and we'll 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 get to the we'll get to commercial, and we'll go we'll we'll, we'll get on with the, with the with the show. But I realized that we have a lot of people who, for very good reason, are choosing to like drop Facebook and drop Instagram or you know, or, or drop Twitter. Yeah. Yep, and that's perfect perfectly valid. The problem is that there are a lot of people who are uh, legitimately friends, but we've never had the need to like exchange phone numbers because. Like Twitter, it's Twitter for me that we've always just done great with direct messages, and now they've dropped Twitter. So now, like we're we were in the club of oh, you're in uh, you're you're in Boston by all means, yeah, sure, I'd love to have lunch with you. Or hey, I'm 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 in Philadelphia. If you have time to get together, now I don't know how to get in touch with them, and so it's like oh, okay, maybe. <laughs> I had that problem with my cousin today. He like. He didn't know to reach me on WhatsApp, but he doesn't use WhatsApp. He oh, uses God. Facebook Messenger. And so I'm not the one making plans with him. He's making plans with my brother because my brother still has an active Facebook account. Mm. So it's just like, come on, family. Like, <laughs> we are miles and miles away. You guys can't just download one other app, which, by the way, is also owned by Facebook. <laughs> Oh God! So now, now just getting a message from one family member to the other is like trying to get four family mm -hmm. members to agree on the toppings on a on the two pizzas you're going to order for dinner. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, all right, shall we? Let's, shall we jump into an ad? Let's contemplate all that while we ruminate on an ad. Yes. This episode of Material is brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at just five dollars a month. And you'll be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Linode offers industry-leading performance with native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They now have 10 data centers spread across the world, meaning you can serve your customers even quicker than before. They have an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud. And everything is manageable via the command line. All of the nodes pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers. Linode has fantastic pricing options available. Their plans start at one gig of RAM for only $5 a month and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com backslash material, you will not only be supporting us, but you'll also get $20 towards any Linode plan. On the one gig of RAM plan, that's four free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing for you to lose here. So go to linode.com backslash slash material to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. Or use the promo code material2018 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show and the Relay FM network. Well, most of the news this week, I think, is about uh, the other shoe dropping, although I already regret using that term because it was actually two shoes that dropped. So they oh. dropped both shoes, So which is so normal. So it's everyone's barefoot now. 
Yeah, I mean, it's what people do at the end of the day, anyway. So, but but let, sure. let's let's assume we're like we're dropping the other shoe on two sub night, or that we have someone with three feet. Uh, so, we've been talking for a while about Dragonfly, uh, the Google the Google Chinese search product project, and how cagey they've been about their plans for it. Uh, according to a really great report from the Intercept. Uh, headlined uh, Google's secret China project, quote, effectively ended after internal confrontation. Uh, strap in, uh, because it's uh, this got filtered through a lot of other reports as, oh, no, Google isn't working on this anymore, and Google has canceled it. No, they haven't canceled it, and they haven't said they have they've never said they were they were had a target date for this or anything but there was so much behind right. the scenes skullduggery going on uh, so here's here's a breakdown of the report on the intercept they they talked to two engineers at Google who were uh, anonymous uh, anonymously uh, or excuse me they were protecting their identity but had ex they were able to confirm this with a couple different sources so uh, the dragonfly team when they're uh, as they're trying to figure out how to do a search product in China, they realize that they need data on what kind of searches uh, Chinese users are performing, how to handle search terms in Mandarin, uh, and also just as, just as importantly, how many of these typical searches will lead to blacklisted content, the sort of stuff that uh, the Chinese government uh, demands that uh, would demand that Google censors. Well, in 2008, probably unrelated because remember uh, Google didn't leave China until 2010, but in 2008 Google bought a Beijing-based site called 265.com. You can access it today if you want, which is a uh, sort of a start page for people's internet experience. Like, you know, like you, you might have to be kind of an old timer if you're an American. Uh, like MSN. Yeah, exactly. You, you hit this, or <laughs> yeah, you hit, hit a page to say, here's the weather and here's the headlines and here's the lotto scores. Here's your horoscope. Here are like, and here are some ads for travel bargains. And also, and here's a search bar so you can search the internet. And so uh, they owned, they bought this in 2008. And so the Dragonfly team realized that this is a really, really good point at which they can start collecting uh, that data set that they need to figure out what they would have to do. Uh, and uh, so what they started doing was they started sort of, uh, they had uh, API keys uh, and a couple of engineers on the Dragonfly team to uh, 265.com. And they were able to essentially observe all the activity, observe everything that's being typed into the search box. Uh, and also, uh, these uh, obviously, everything that was typed into the search box wasn't being done as a Google search. It was done as a Baidu search. But through the APIs, it could determine what search results were uh, returned by Baidu uh, from that search. So they were getting all that data they wanted to figure out what are people searching for uh, real people searching for how they're using mandarin and by seeing what uh, search results get returned by baidu they could figure out they could start building an internal blacklist of here are keywords here are sites that are definitely not going to fly because if uh, baidu is 100 percent by the book and uh, according to the chinese government this is what's mm -hmm. gonna they're gonna have to do now then <laughs> The Dragonfly team did all of this kind of, well, no, really, in secret. Uh, Google Google has a privacy team, and you're not supposed to do that. So not only did they te technically, quote-unquote, oh, were we not supposed to do that, uh, but the privacy team got pissed. Uh, I'm going to quote from the Intercept report here. 
Under normal company procedure, analysis of people's search queries is subject to tight constraints and should be reviewed by the company's privacy staff, whose job is to safeguard user rights. But the privacy team only found out about the 265.com data access after The Intercept revealed it and were, quote, really pissed, unquote, according to one Google source. Members of the privacy team confronted... Silicon Valley vernacular. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. They don't mean they were drunk. No, they were just really pissed. That's, they that's were, how they we were... talk. Uh, members of the privacy team confronted the executives responsible for managing Dragonfly. Following a series of discussions, two sources said... Google engineers were told that they were no longer permitted to continue using 265.com data to help develop Dragonfly, which has since had severe consequences for the project. Quote, the 265 data was integral to Dragonfly, unquote, said one source. Quote, access to the data has been suspended now, which has stopped progress. This is this is what happens to a company that uh, has been watching Facebook take the fall for all of the follies <laughs> that it has been been doing the last couple of years in privacy. Because if if I recall the things that I've like read and watched on Facebook in the last six months, uh, a lot of that stuff was well. There is the idea that perhaps there was some known there was some known badness going on. <laughs> in the background and maybe it just wasn't fully disclosed. And so I could imagine a company like Google, which is like the, the internet's biggest uh, provider of things. I mean, yeah. really, when you think about it, um, I can imagine that they, when they heard about it, they were like, Whoa, you got to stop all of this right now. This is just one giant legal battle waiting to happen. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it's it's the the fact that it's caused so much fighting, not just from idealistic engineers, but by people say, look, it's our job to maintain the user privacy. You're not supposed to do this. And the fact that they were made, they didn't just think that it was valuable to make sure that they were, uh, that the Dragonfly team was maintaining Google's standards on how you, how you deal with user information. Um, they, the Intercept continues to talk about how, the problems that they were causing internally, how unusual Dragonfly team's research was. Um, the, inter the Intercept, they reported back in November that privacy and security employees working on the project had been shut out of key meetings and felt that senior executives had sidelined them. I'm quoting here, Yonatan Zunger, formerly a 14-year veteran of Google and one of the leading engineers at the company, worked on Dragonfly for several months last year and said the project was shrouded in extreme secrecy and handled in a, quote, highly unusual, unquote, way from the outset. Scott Beaumont, Google's leader in China and a key architect of the Dragonfly project, quote, uh, quoting the source here, did not feel that the pro security, privacy, and legal teams should be able to question his product decisions, unquote, according to Zunger, quote, and maintained an openly adversarial relationship with him quite outside the Google norm, unquote. I was about to say, yeah. that is not, that sounds like a, that sounds like a huge family squabble that you don't want to be in the middle of. And it's an ideological squabble. So it's one of those family things that you just kind of swallow when you see each other, because you know, if you start talking about it, you're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, sorry, ho holidays. I've been with family for the I'm last not, couple of days. I'm not going to comment. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, that's jet where lag. my mind is at. <laughs> yeah. That's where my mind is at right now. And that's the comparison I made. Um, 
but it, it's just super, I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm really interested in this piece from The Intercept because it's the kind of Silicon Valley drama that I live for. <laughs> I mean, if I wrote a soap opera, it would be like, it would take place in Silicon Valley. It would be like Silicon Valley HBO, but with a lot of drama. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and love and- triangles. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 I mean, the, all this is really significant because it's not just like <laughs> I'm the I'm I'm the I'm the middle child, and I always got the hand me downs, right. and I've never gotten over it. And you're the older child, and you never got over the fact that when we got home from school, mom said that you had to what we had to turn the TV to Mister Rogers because the little kids had to. It's I, this is. Uh, the people on the on the privacy and security teams, they take their job. There are reasons. There are reasons why they're on that team. They really believe in that mission, and when they feel as though they've been actively thwarted from doing their jobs, that's very, very easy and maybe even very logical for them to say the Dragonfly team are are a clear and present danger to Google. And not only am I not going to help them, I'm going to do what I can to shut them down. So starting with, you are not allowed to use this data set that you've, you seem to require in order to make this thing go forward. Uh, and if there was a way for them to build a search engine for China without the data set, I'm sure they're going to put so many internal restrictions on how they can build it and what they have to do with it that it's going to be really, really hard for them to move forward. Uh, mm-hmm. I would not... Uh, now, they don't... Uh, the Intercept doesn't name their sources, but this is almost exactly how credible internal stories from anonymous sources get published. When you really piss off to quote... I can, now I can say that because it's, 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 I'm just quoting uh, the sources. When you really piss off people... Uh, that's when you, they, they start to call other people, journalists that they know and they trust, uh, yes, for the good of the company, but also because how can we really hurt these people or how can we make sure they don't get away with this thing that they think they're getting away with? One of them is to make it public that Dragonfly is not only incredibly problematic from a human rights perspective, but also it is a shady operation even within Google that's not even following Google's own practices. Uh, so I uh, I saw in some of the reporting around uh, The Intercept's piece, meaning not the stuff The Intercept was writing, but other uh, tech sites' reactions to it were mentioning uh, – uh, source, uh, not even sources, but uh, people who thought that they were going to be releasing this product sometime between January and April of next year, which I'm surprised they would print that this week, given that Sundar Pichai last week said yeah. there are currently no plans in place. Yeah. It seems like whatever they got that source from just got burned. But uh, certainly... It's, there's no doubt whatsoever how important Google thought uh, Dragonfly was. And now it really does appear that that headline is correct. It's not, they haven't announced that they're abandoning it, but it really seems hard to imagine how they can effectively move forward with it. Uh, if I mean, at this point, if they actually do it, there's going to be so many questions about uh, how they made that sausage that that's going to be half the mar- that's going to be half the budget <laughs> just doing the PR control there. I also just want to make a note of how interesting it is that we are discussing the employee's reaction to this. I think that, um, I actually think that's in a weird way. I feel like that's, uh, I don't want to say good PR, 
but that's the <laughs> phrase that comes to my mind also because I'm tired and I just can't think any deeper <laughs> than that. But I say that because I just think about like how diplomatic it like, yeah, the idea that there is some diplomacy at Google that you can have employees speak out against something and that it would enact change and that they are actually using that and taking advantage of that. And, you know, it's, it's good to see because, yeah. because there's a lot of companies out there that hide things. And then, you know, you watch those frontline documentaries, like the one on Facebook, <laughs> which by the way, is totally worth the two part series. And you see employees and say, Oh yeah, I wanted to say something. And they told me, you know, forget about it. And so in this case, it's kind of like, okay, there are people at the company who are up in arms about this. There's internal like squabbling over this because it is a huge ideological issue and a huge like privacy issue. Um, it's just, it's interesting. It's interesting to see the company that really built the idea of like, I don't even know what I'm trying. I mean, I know what I'm trying to say, but I'm so tired. I can't like think of the exact phrasing, but basically Google has built such a, a narrative around uh, like what it's like to work there. And so to see that it's not just free food, but also like people, you know, talking to their managers yeah. about what's up. I mean, it's, it's, it's it's good it's good to see in my in my opinion. No, nope, I, I I had the exact same reaction, especially because we get to see uh, Google scandals and Facebook scandals operate in parallel. Where yeah. how did we get all this information about what Facebook was up to, including all the deals that they were cutting with Amazon and other large companies to give them at least a potential access to private messages and private data? Well, it was because the British British government investigating them over Cambridge Analytica had been pestering them and pestering them for documents and essentially basically waylaid a key Facebook employee and basically <laughs> pinned them against the wall legal, almost physically to say about those documents you were so kindly going to furnish us. And that's how we get this treasure trove of, of data uh, that for which we're finally learning about what's <laughs> what's going on inside Facebook. Whereas these, quote, scandals, unquote, from Google are coming out because Google employees are saying, here's what's going on inside Google. We are not happy with it. And then when outside people investigate it, they get sources say, actually, here's the message boards in which people have been discussing this really actively. And this uh, is uh, this latest uh, story about Dragonfly. It doesn't necessarily it doesn't overall make Google look good. But if you if you're. Uh, if you are continually reevaluating your relationship with Google, which you should definitely be doing just as a matter of course, given how much data they have access to about you and your life, there are lots of things that I like in this report. That yes. number one, there is a board that says, hey, we are in charge of privacy and user data. We have mm -hmm. policies and you're violating those policies. Secondly, mm -hmm. that they have the power to say, guess what? You are the, the the CEO himself is really, really hot for this product and considers it and really important to reactivate business with China. But guess what? We are taking away your ability to make this product now because you done screwed up. Uh, and that not to have that given that there's it's not a law that they're breaking. It's merely an internal policy. And the fact that Sundar Pichai 
at least up to the point of this <laughs> of this story being written, didn't say, yeah, we're rewriting the rules. Uh, basically, take the existing rule book, then add comma, unless you're working for Dragonfly at the end of every rule. That may, who knows? Maybe if this had not come to light, this wouldn't have. Uh, he would have had the ability to say, you know what? Here's here's your. We're giving. We're creating a new division <laughs> that, for mm-hmm. our purposes, are, is not subject to normal Google operating procedures. Uh, but that didn't happen. The fact that uh, Google employees have the power and the ability to affect change internally means that I. I don't think that Google is a perfect company. I think that they do screw up. I do. Uh, carefully and cautiously think that as an organism they have a desire to be a greater source of good than bad in this world and that they will normally steer towards the light as opposed to we don't care we don't have to we're too big to have to care about people mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like i said they're, they're, so, so i agree with what you're saying that that this is not as bad a story as it could be as in some mm-hmm. ways when you sift the, the the good from the bad the good part of it is that this wasn't there was uproar from outside that forced google to make a change it was no there's been fighting about this internally yeah. uh and i don't it would be nice to if we if we ever hear from these internal sources were you more upset that uh, they just were they more upset about them violating uh, a, uh, the the chain of command for use of of personal private user data, or were they more offended that it was being used for Dragonfly? I'm guessing the first thing, but it's this is it's becoming clear that Dragonfly is starting to be, is really just poison inside Google, and yeah, I mean, I'm glad anything that causes this system to die uh, is a good thing because. I've, it, Sorry, it, China. Yeah, it was. It <laughs> was really one of my. Yeah, I'm just. And I and I feel, and I feel like we always have to say I'm not suggesting that America, Americans, uh, internet users have the greatest amount of freedom everywhere. I'm not saying that that's that's in, yeah, that's true. No, no, no. I'm just saying that having an official policy of the internet belongs to the government, and that we're the government is going to use this as a tool to basically keep. It's citizens fighting each other instead of questioning the government. The fact that you're striking down pictures of Winnie the Pooh because <laughs> because some people are using it as a joke against uh, against the leader. It's like, dude, <laughs> there's. <laughs> I I wish you had had my mom like when you were a kid. The one that said that hey, people are gonna be jerks. That doesn't there that that has nothing to do with who you are. And yeah, it could be painful, but people are always gonna be jerks. And if you want the world to be without jerks, then you want to live alone in the world. And that's a lot of work for you to do. See, I'm in a post-communist country. So Yeah, like... so are you are you being monitored? <laughs> I don't know no, what the no, situation no, 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 is no. in Romania. No, I well, actually, I mean, well, no, Romania is part of the EU, so it would fall under those laws. Right. But I'm just, I just think about the president getting upset or what, what's his face getting upset because of the Winnie the Pooh memes. And it just makes me think about all the stories that I heard uh, as a child yeah. about living life Don't in a communist me. state and yeah. what that's like. And it's, it's just not something that you want to promote if you're Google. That's where I'm going to leave yeah. that. You know, nope, exactly. It's, I, this is, uh, I, uh, I certainly intend to live at least another 20 or 30 years. 
genetics are fi- are opposed to this declaration of intent, but we'll, no. we'll we'll see how far we go. But I'm saying that I will hopefully live long enough to see a lot of crazy stuff happen as the internet is the potential of the internet as a, a, a weapon against foreign powers and as a means of control of your own citizens is more and more tightly appreciated by people who have power. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be funky again. Sure. Genetics catch up with me. I'm, and I'm trying to cheer myself off with, well, here, given that you're not going to live for another uh, more, more than more than three years, here are things you're going to miss out on. Number one, global it's warming. It's getting a little grim. Okay, that's <laughs> okay. That, you're right. <laughs> sorry, just, I'm yeah. sorry. I had a, <laughs> again. It's the it's the holidays, and I'm dealing with a lot of family stuff where it's like, uh, where my I know. Me too. My, We're there. Here's my place in this family. Here's my place in the family history. Here we, is... we got to keep each other accountable so that we don't fall into the pit of. <sighs> I hope. I I, I I swear I don't know what your flight home is like, but if there's like a connection in Boston or even in New York, I feel as though we could benefit from like a couple of a dark a dark room at a at a bar and a couple of drinks. Just yeah. Wait, I agree. Okay, okay so let's. Uh, the other the other shoe that uh, kind of dropped this week, uh, right. the Guardian, uh, got its hands on an internal Google training document uh, that basically teaches uh, Google employees how they should interact with and gu- guidelines for interact with contract workers. Uh, of course, a couple of weeks ago there was a giant uh, walkout, but as contract workers were explaining how they are really second class citizens, they don't get they're not in the loop on things that are essential for them to do their jobs. Uh, they weren't they weren't when there was an active shooter on the YouTube campus, they weren't part of they weren't in the internal message uh, uh, alert system. Uh, so and all and all kinds of things that makes life. They think needlessly uh, grinding down for them, and also the the fact that they are one, one half of a percent less than fifty percent of the Google workforce are people who don't technically work for Google. So they're Googlers in all but name, um, and it's kind of an interesting. Uh, they don't. Uh, the Guardian hasn't reprinted the entire training document. I'm guessing they can't because it is copyrighted. Uh, but they mm-hmm. provide liberal quotes. Uh, it uh, parts of it contain uh, sample questions and answers for people who are being trained in this document. Uh, like uh, hypothetical situation number three, Gary's vendor team just completed a big milestone. He wants to reward them with shirts from the Google Store. Should he? Gary should not reward them with shirts. Why? Swag, bonuses, and other gifts are considered taxable income to the individual, which Alphabet cannot report since we are not the TVC employer. It can also raise ethics and compliance concerns. Finally, we need to respect and adhere to local laws and regulations, and TVC employers may have strict policies about receiving gifts. How can we show appreciation for TVCs? Write a thank you note, CC their employer, or redacted, or send them a note on Google Plus. They're definitely gonna have to update that part of it. They're <laughs> facepalm. Yeah, I just facepalmed. Uh, for those who don't see me on the Skype camera, yeah, uh, which is everyone except Andy. Yeah, there was, some, there was it was I was cringe. If I were not so entertained by my vocal my, my my voice acting. 
Well, your voice <laughs> acting reminded me of like all the training videos I watched at like my first jobs, you know. <laughs> Remember, oh, if boy. a McDonald's patron has a heart attack, you're not a qualified medical professional, so you should not attempt to aid them. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is it is a bummer. Like, I understand this as a contractor myself. I get the, you know, the bunk end of the stick when it comes to some, to some perks. You know, there's definitely... I... I I hate to say this, but I understand the justification of it is not taxable income. I understand that. It's not that I <laughs> think it's good, but I understand why that is a thing. And it's just kind of a bummer. It's just Andy, I wish that I uh I wish that I had come more prepared because you're jet lagged, you're in another country, you are well maybe you came, maybe you we'll came with the this. fine flow ion brain that is prepared. Yeah. We are I am grateful for the for that. Anything else is a bonus. Well, what I meant, well, what I meant to say is that I have been reading about there's a new contractor law going into effect next year in California. And so I'm actually wondering, it's supposed it was uh it was created to help protect like Uber and Lyft drivers. So basically the on-demand contract workers who work for all the, you know, the startups. And I'm very curious how that's going to affect contractors at other like places of business. And so I'm still reading up on that. I'm probably not going to read up on it in the next two weeks because I got a lot of stuff, other stuff going on right here. But it is definitely something that I'll be looking into. And I'm I'm curious if it's going to help. If it's going to yeah. help or make this worse. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know. Uh, I have to be, after reading this piece a little bit about, oh, okay, I have to be balanced anyway. But that there are... The, the way that Google has decided to create its workforce gives it certain legal liabilities and limitations that also include, well, we can't, we, we, that they're, they're, because they're not Google employees, we can't offer them bonuses because we don't know how that gets paid. But uh, what the piece makes a good point of explaining is that um, the, the, I'm going to quote the piece here, quote, throughout the training document, the, quote, risk, unquote, that TVCs pose to Google is raised numerous times. The document names three types of risks, deviation from the, quote, code of conduct, unquote, such as concerns about harassment or discrimination, risks to security and privacy, and the risk of, quote, co-employment, unquote. It is this third type of risk that earns the most attention in the document. Quote, quoting the document, co-employment is a relationship between two or more employers in which each has actual or potential legal rights and duties with respect to the same employee, unquote. The document explains, Quote, if found to be a joint employer of a TVC by an agency or court, then Alphabet could be liable for employer obligations as well as acts and omissions leading to employment-related legal claims, unquote. And that's really what it's all about. All of these, and not just Google, but other companies, Apple, everybody. I was going to say. The reason why they don't want to have these, they want to have these people essentially full-time employees but not have the legal uh, standing of a full-time employee is because it reduces liability, it reduce, reduces their expenses, it makes these people more griftable uh, and more giggable. And this really, this is why this is not the first time this has come up as a, a black scar, black mark uh, for the tech industry, for other industries as well. It's like you, were you really are 
reducing somebody to second class status, even though they are as important to the company mm -hmm. as full time people, and you're doing it for accounting convenience, not because yeah. we're not because we're hiring this one gunslinger because this person knows more about this networking stack than anybody else. Hey, he wrote it. He wrote this networking stack when it was open source. So we're going to hire him on a two year contract to help us beat this module into shape. It's no. At some point, you have to. <laughs> it's. Uh, I was about to say something that could be misconstrued as offensive because it's an old-fashioned term, but I'm not going to do that. Basically, at some basically at some point, if if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. You know, right? So that's that. I'll 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 put it that way. That at some point, if you're going to be treating someone yeah. like an employee, they should have the legal benefits of an employee. And uh, yes, it, please. Yeah. <laughs> And it, it just it just gets me it gets me bothered when you have someone who a company that makes this much money, they just make so much money and they can't figure out how to like pay people a living wage and how to make sure that they're taken care of. And, uh, and I'm gonna I'm not gonna do my George Bailey impersonation, but you know when you give people that much skin in the game say here is your that you've done such good work for mm -hmm. us uh, for, for the past year uh that here's your official google pass here's your official google everything doesn't that make them better employees yeah. they've got yeah, more invested does. as opposed to no you're just somebody that gets to gets to park in the far lot and you don't get an you don't get the 10% discount on google shirts <laughs> and you're you're actively being taught and <laughs> When we have the real employees are being taught, here's how to marginalize and thwart you. Okay, it's not that strong, but it's it's hard to feel as though why should I yeah. be giving my all here at Google? Why should I feel any pride in what I'm doing at Google? Because clearly Google doesn't value me as much as they value someone one cubicle over who's doing the exact same job. Uh, as I as I say every week, hey, this is a. Oops. I'm <laughs> sorry, everybody. Sorry, everyone. Uh, again, jet lagged. And also, I haven't talked to an assistant in a couple of days. So clearly, uh, sorry. Uh, but for real, though, hey, Googs, maybe maybe Jim, if he Guillermo. has the wherewithal to, to bleep that out just for the convenience of Thank our you, listeners, Jim. that would be awesome. Uh, but hey, Googs, is, which is what I call it, uh, set a precedent. Come on. Yep. You're you're one a giant employer in Silicon Valley. Set a precedent for the rest of Silicon Valley. You know, I know Apple does this. I know all of them do this. So it's it's yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, like I said. This is I won't I won't go back to the to the to the dark things I was talking about a few minutes ago. But this is another thing that's really going to come to a head as we find more ways to say that. Well, even. You're no longer contract employees. You're gig economy workers. Where we have an app that says, "Hey, who can who can solve this programming problem? We'll give you eight dollars." Oh, wait, someone else uh, did it for seven dollars and eleven cents. We thank you for the code, but we're not going to use it. It's like how it's how can we get away with uh, treating talented, passionate people like things that we hope to replace with AI as soon as possible? It's, I mean, yeah. you don't, you, you don't want to become the Amazon where it's clear that we're going to, we, the reason why we don't care about people is that we feel as though the fact that we're using people to pack boxes for us is offensive to us because clearly we're, we're going to make sure we, we're going to treat you like machines because that way it'll be easier to replace you with machines once they become cost effective. And that's not a good look.
I will say to the credit of Silicon Valley companies who have not done this is that uh, at least unlike Amazon, you know, they did a huge marketing push after they raised the wage to, I think, $15 an hour, (laughs) where they were posting videos of their employees crying about it, to which I'm like, this is sad. Why are you showing me this? Like, these people are barely like, anyway. We don't have to go down that path. I know. Because also I only have sixteen percent on this battery. Exactly. For the so we're video. We're, we're gonna we're gonna end and we're gonna end on a piece of fun. Uh new yeah, let's Google. Let's do it. Let's have new fun. Google holiday ad uh, dropped today. Uh you know, it, it's a one minute ad called quote Home Alone Again. Uh they had it's basically Macaulay Culkin, the adult. Uh, adorable uh, cult Macaulay Culkin replaying uh, his famous scenes in Home Alone in the original Home Alone house uh, with recreations wow. like detailed of the Home Alone house sets uh, shot by shot. Only he's using the Google Assistant now, and he's not necessarily trying to thwart uh, invaders to the home so much as he's trying to be. Somebody who made lots and lots and lots of money. He was a gazillionaire before he was 18 and yeah. wisely decided that, hey, I can, for the rest of my life, I now have enough money and investments that I can do a play every three or four years and basically have fun for the rest of my life in a healthy way that doesn't involve drugs or alcohol, uh, which is why I will never, ever diss Macaulay Culkin for not appearing in movies. It's like if I had if I had had my entire childhood like basically diverted towards Hollywood and managed to what appears to be emerge in his 20s as he's got his head on pretty straight. He's not messed up in drugs. Uh, His money was not mismanaged before he got his hands on it, and he's not mismanaging his own money. He is so entitled (laughs) to enjoy the rest of his life and not be scrambling. But it's it's pretty – so basically he's essentially – imagine a millionaire who really can't be bothered to get out of the chair – (laughs) <laughs> to, so he will use his uh, his uh, uh, Google Home device with the I screen mean. to answer the door. So his, it's a pizza. Great. Oh, it seems like you already paid online. Great. And so he presses the button to yeah. continue the movie. Drop it off. It says, on the front Keep step. the change. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a bit of fun. Uh, and <laughs> it's probably better than that car commercial, I think, Super Bowl commercial a few years ago with Matthew Broderick uh, replayed uh, Ferris Bueller as an adult. It's a fun old time. It's a fun time. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's suitably Christmas themed. It's not it's yeah, not as exactly. It's, it's not as adorable as Apple's like holiday ad where puppets like create and create and create alone in their freezing garret and then but I but I've just terrified to share my creativity with the world and then a gust of wind blows all of her paintings and all of her writings out the window and oh, stranger yeah, stuff that's right I which did terrified that the hell it's adorable but it terrified the hell out of me because yeah i i have art i i draw i have some, lots of sketchbooks full of art i write lots of fiction lots of poetry i would die if there were like a data breach <laughs> they're, they're basically pretending they're facebook saying if facebook did this we've been making fun of them saying you see it's not a good thing when you take people's private things and private thoughts and messages and just make them public to the entire world yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well everyone if you've got a chance go check that out you know uh we're not gonna you're not gonna hear back from us until after christmas <laughs> So I guess for those who celebrate it, we should say Merry Christmas. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, uh, enjoy December 25th, where there are lots of cool lights and beautiful things and 
I uh, I was uh, raised Catholic. I don't have not turned my back more. I have not turned my back on Christmas or religion, but I've kind of decided to like do like a chill Christmas this year. And so I will be going to the movies. I will be going out to well, a restaurant. Great. Yeah. Uh, which is which is not to say that I've ever like disliked any of the family Christmases I've been a part of. It's just that this year I feel like the right answer is I want to take a mid-morning train to Boston. I want to take a nice walk around with my camera, perhaps see one of the movies I haven't seen in the past three weeks. Uh, so enjoy your chill Christmas uh, or your, your your December 25th. Uh, I will be I'll be with you and among you <laughs> on this 25th. And I will be with a bunch of people that look like me. <laughs> a lot of them. Oh. There's a lot of them here. <laughs> you will have you will uh, see, you'll have so much to talk about next week. This this week yeah. you're jet lagged. That's fine. And if and also if next week you're so overwhelmed, you would just we will do, be doing a show next week. By the way, we're recording. Yes. I think yeah, like yeah. the day after Christmas or two days after we Christmas. Are. Yeah. Uh, and so. So we'll we'll have lots to talk about. Are you you feeling a little bit more, more more together right now? Are you have you are you are you ready to, are you, are you ready to move forward? Or are you still in that first day of Transatlantica where you feel as though forty percent of your CPU's clock cycles are still in San Francisco? I am hoping to be better by tomorrow. Tomorrow will be my third full day here. So we're recording this on my second full day and I've been napping sporadically because that's what my schedule has been like. Cause I was up early for all about Android at three 30 Romanian time. <laughs> Listen, we do what we got to do. You know, I'm going to actually leave work after this podcast <laughs> because my family would like to hang out with me. So <laughs> thank you everyone for tuning in to us. Yeah, so and if you want to see more of uh, Floion, uh, be in Romania. Uh, look yeah. for look for the uh, function room at a restaurant where lots of people seem to be having a good time and crowding. Yes. Uh, it's and... very Romanian scene, by the way. It's like every <laughs> restaurant you walk into, there's like a piano and tables, like an electric piano. Anyway, oh Andy, I have stories to tell you. Oh, I'll hope, take pictures. Don't and worry. I hope to hear. Please, I hope to hear. Yes. Them. I hope to hear them all. I'm looking forward to the stories. Of, of of Christmas in Romania. Yeah, we'll have more. I'll have more next week oh, when I'm less jet lagged. Andy, what can people find you? Uh, as usual, spell my last name. Uh, another Eastern European, <laughs> exactly. Western, Western Asian uh, Farango. Uh, I H N is a Nancy. A T is in Tom K O uh, on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, neither of which I have managed to quit yet. Uh, go on my blog, anotgo.com, which is up and running again after hand-to-hand -hand combat with various mm -hmm. databases and PHP. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be on uh, Boston Public Radio again next week, I think the 28th, but we can talk about it. I'll, I'll pimp that next week as mm -hmm. well. Well, until then, again, have a great next week if it involves time with your family. I hope you have a wonderful time with your family. If you are being with your family out of duty, I, I will give you one piece of advice and hopefully one one thought that has uh, sometimes helped me through bad experiences, which is that you have, uh, your family includes those that you were issued at birth and also those that you decided to, uh, to bring close to you uh, of your own choice throughout life. Truth. 
Uh, and so if you're having problems with the member with certain members of the family you were issued at birth, realize they are not your entire family and that there are lots of people who love you and who appreciate you and who got to know you uh, as you are, not as you were when you were age three. So. That's perfect, Andy. Also, very quickly, before we officially end out, I want to say, you know, there's still a couple more shopping days left. And if you <laughs> are a fan of material, you yes. can actually become a member. And so maybe ask somebody for a membership. You can get a silver membership, maybe like five bucks a month, you know, that kind of helps us out. So think about that. Hmm. And what you can do, I'm not, I'm not advocating this, but let's say that there's like a, uh, like a, a political group or some sort of like a point of view that uh, one of your relatives that you have to buy a present for strongly advocates, but you are absolutely disgusted by. You can put st- just write in the in the card, "Hey, I've made a hundred dollar donation in yes. favor of kill the whales in your name," and then don't tell them you took that hundred bucks or even fifty bucks and you put that into a membership for Relay FM. <laughs> That's genius, Andy. That's Again, genius. You, see, they'll feel good. They'll feel validated. You know that you got something uh, something yep. over on them. We get we get fifty bucks. I can't see a yes. flaw with this plan. Well, yes. again, have a lovely week, everybody. Thanks for listening to us this time. Hope we listen you listen to us again next time. Till then, have a happy, happy holidays.